0: good morning Grace good morning. I like that well I'd be remiss to not start and tell you who I am because like 64% of you were like who's this guy <laughs> yeah my mom's here so I can't talk about <laughs> it's, it's kind of like how y'all you went to your, your kids first soccer game she's here for you know just kidding it's different it's different it, it's not it's not well, my name is Phil Cook. I am absolutely blessed to be the pastor of students here at Grace. Many of you, you, you knew Alex. Uh, give it up for Alex one time. He's not here, though. Or maybe he is. I don't know. He might be. Um, I am blessed to take his place as he goes out and plants a Zeal Church um, I've been serving with the youth ministry for five to six years now, so I'm not new to Grace and what they're doing in youth ministry. uh, So I'm blessed to really just step in and kind of seamlessly take over what's already going and just believing we're going to be able to take it to the next level. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, and then we're going to talk and and study out of Galatians 1. But like I said, my name is uh, Phil Cook. Uh, I have a passion and and have for a while now to impact young people and empower them to be leaders in their own rights. So when we do what we do in student ministries in the Grove here, shameless plug, 18 to 25-year-olds Tuesday nights, where my, where my 7th to 12th graders Wednesday nights, shame, I'm allowed to do that because I'm up here now, it's free, Lori Broberg saying yes and amen, bring them in, build them up, send them out. We do what we do with the young people because we want to impact them for the cause of Christ. We want them to know Jesus genuinely and deeply. But it doesn't end there. We want to then empower them to be leaders in their own rights. We don't want them just to know Jesus and then sit there for the next 70 years. We want them to get up and start walking on their own. We want them to be up here one day. We want them to be leading these different avenues one day, and we believe that deeply. So... That's why I do what I do and what I feel God's called me to do. Uh, but a couple of little details about me. I got a beautiful family. I got a wife who is by. Bi- we, we call our wives, man, where are you at? We call our wives the better halves. My wife's like the better 99%. I don't know about you guys. We'd be like, she's my better half. be like, dude, she's the whole 100%, dog. Like, you, you know. uh, but I have a picture of her and my beautiful, almost two year old daughter. And this is them, so I got, she is, she is 22 months, she's coming up on two years old, and I feel like she popped out yesterday, so that's wild. Um, but she's got her mother's looks and her daddy's personality, which I just feel like is, I don't really know if that's good or bad. <laughs> the looks part's good, I guess. <laughs> uh, so that's my family, I love them dearly. Uh, my wife is, is surely the person who pushes me to be much better than I would be without her, any, any men say amen to that? And then my baby daughter has uh, taught me so much in the last two years about God's love and how he, ch- how he cares for us and how he views us with that unconditional love. Because let me tell you, she can be a brat sometimes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then I remember, <laughs> so am I, and God loves me. A <laughs> couple other things about me, I love soccer. I got any footy players in the house? Any footy players? Come on, where are my footy players at? There's like nine of you. I like that. Everybody else is like footy. We like football around here. Dude, you don't even use your feet in football. That doesn't make any sense. Football is with your feet, okay? I do like the Ravens, though, where my Purple Birds fans at. Come on. Yeah. Lamar, bro. I mean, let's just be real. I'm sorry. Where's where's Jeff in here? Because I I think Jeff is in here. You always talk about the Eagles. I had to do it. Lamar. Woo. Lamar. But if we've got a church event, miss that game. Come on. Yo, it's my first time. I got stuck up a little bit. I also love music, I produce uh, hip hop music and I just love the genre of hip hop. I really believe that, like with the Kanye West stuff, Jeff, I'm just excited about that. I just believe you know, hip hop's the most popular genre, whether or not you like it, it is statistically modern day, the most popular genre and to see big name artists just proclaiming Christ, whether it's legit or not, I don't care, I'ma listen, you know what I'm saying? Because the word of the Lord never falls in vain, so no matter what mouth it's coming out of, it's gonna do something. So I'm just passionate about that as well. So those are a few things about me. Um, Today we're going to talk about the power of testimony. So I thought it just was so fitting to tell you mine and where I came from and how I got here um, and the impact that God through grace has played on me and how passionate I am for this church. Um, But I grew up in in a Christian home. Like I said, my mama's here. Um, They did their best. To raise me up and just to know Jesus, we went to a few different churches around the area. I was always plugged in. I'm going to be frank. I always hated it. My young people in the room that are like, mom, why you brought me here? I already made contact with like, I kind of with at least five of you that I know don't want to be here. I was y'all. I was y'all just not too long ago. I hated it. I was like, mom, I wanted to sleep. I played Call of Duty till like 2 a.m. and now I'm tired. (laughs) Let me stay. And she didn't. Good for her. So. I went through the routine, I was in all of it or whatever, but it never really meant anything to me. Nonetheless, the seeds were planted. I didn't know it at the time. I went off to college, I went to Millersville, Pennsylvania. Uh, I got a biology with a minor in chemistry degree, and now I'm doing ministry, it makes no sense. Uh, God works that way. I was there for that, and uh, when I got there, I had freedom, I had independency. I didn't have people dragging me to church anymore, I didn't have good influences around me, I didn't have my parents making me do certain things. Uh, And what happens when an ungrounded person gets independency? They had ways they shouldn't. So I did that, and I went through a couple years of college where um, I was drinking way more than I should be, which I probably shouldn't have been at all. Um, I smoked a ton of weed, I was treating women horribly, very misogynistically, I was very self-centered and egotistical, and I thought really just only about me, thought I was the coolest thing since, you know, fried bologna. Is fried bologna cool? I don't know. But I was the coolest thing since that. Uh, And then junior year, let me tell y'all something wild, but God, you know, but God. Junior year I came home and my mom was like, we're going to church. And I was like, no, this is my break. I'm not going to church. And she's like, we're going to church. <laughs> so, this is before the expansion of the room. So, it was like, you know, here over. And I remember I was sitting in that section over there, y'all. Holy Spirit's about to fall on you. <laughs> and Kelly Willie was sitting up here. We're, we're my Kelly Willie fans. Come on, we love her. <laughs> Kelly Willie was leading worship and she was doing a song called Rise. I will rise on eagle's wings, no more sorrow, no more pain. And and at that time I I had started to feel the weight of the way I had been living. I didn't know what the answer was. I didn't know why I felt as low as I did because I had everything they said you should have in college. Throwing the parties, you know, doing whatever I wanted, however I wanted, having the fun, all these different things. And I sat over there and as she sang that song, I remember uh, I wasn't into the hand raising, crying. I used to judge y'all when you would do that. You know what I'm saying? And I remember closing my eyes, and it was as if everybody in the room disappeared, and all I could hear was Kelly singing. And it was the chorus, I will rise. And I felt this tug of like, I have so much more for you, and I'll never forget it. As I'm sitting there, and it feels as if everyone in the room has disappeared, I feel a hand. I'm not going to go into, you know, does Jesus touch you tangibly? I have no idea. But I felt a hand on my, my left shoulder, and I knew exactly what it was. And I remember breaking down and crying. I had never cried in church. because I cried because I didn't want to be there. <laughs> this was a totally different type of crying. And I left that service never the same. Amen. Never the same. I went back to college. And within a matter of a month, I always, call my, I always call my testimony bangers to Bible studies, meaning, you know, big parties is a culturally relevant term, I guess. Uh, big parties, kegs, whatever, whatever, whatever to Bible studies. Like, and a lot of those same people that I was doing that stuff with saw what God did in me and followed me. And it, it was so amazing to see what God did. And that's why I'm here today, because Jesus radically wrecked my life. Seven and a half years ago, and I've never looked back because once you experience Jesus, there's no point looking back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no point. So that's why I'm here today, and we are going to be talking about the power of testimony. So that's going to be Galatians 1 11 through 24. So open up to Galatians 1 with me if you would. If you got your cellular devices, just Google that. It'll be on page whatever Google tells you. <laughs> I always tell my students, I'm like, you can use your phones, but don't be texting Bay unless Bay's Jesus, okay? Because 90% of them got mobile Bibles. Okay. Here we go. So I'm going to read this, and Nick, I'm gonna, or whoever, Jesse, I'm going to ask that you just follow along with me. Because um, I'm going to read it out of my own good book right here. Something about a real Bible, you know what I'm saying? Paul called by God is the title that it gives in my NIV study Bible. Starting in verse 11, it says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not out of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God... But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see the the apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later then, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went into Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the church of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Pray with me. Jesus, you are so awesome. I thank you that me being up here is a testimony to your grace and your goodness, and how you work in our lives, Lord. I just thank you for this room full of people that is truly family, that if they call grace home, it's not just a church, but it is a body of believers who can come together and function as the body so that others would come to know you. I pray that we'd play our role today. I pray that today we would have a fresh challenge and conviction on our heart to know what you've done for us and to be able to boldly and effectively tell it to others so that they will follow them back to you. I just ask that in Jesus' name, believing that it's going to happen. And all God's people said, amen. amen. This is so interesting. Context in the Bible is so important. So when I know for a long time when I read the Bible, I was like, these words don't make any sense. What is going on right now? Who's, why does Paul have two names? I don't get it. Like, what's going on? And as I started to study it more, I realized that if we really read the the Bible in context, meaning like we knew what was going on, it totally changes how you read it. So, for example, in the book to the Galatians, this is a plea for repentance, and we need to read it as such. So Paul is writing to the the church in Galatia and basically saying, listen— you have been turning to all these other Gospels. Literally, that's like one of the ways we define this, this book is n- no other Gospel. You've been turning to all these other Gospels. You've been looking back to the ways of Judaism. So you believe this G- guy, Jesus, and what he did, and you believe that you're saved by grace through faith, but you think you have to do all the Jewish traditions too. Or, or for our context, you think you have to do all that other stuff. You, you think you have to live by works. You think you have to do a certain amount of charity. You think you have to whatever. Or vice versa. You don't think you have to do squat. And Paul's like, he's like, no, like I'm, I got literally, this is a plea. This is me begging you to come back to the real gospel. And he says that when we're turning to other gospels, that it, it, it makes your religion worthless. That when you either do extra things and add it to what Jesus did or you take what Jesus did and then do nothing about it, he says your religion is Worthless. And that's so hard to hear, but the context of this this book is that, so we need to read it as such. And even just to give you um, comparing context, the very next book in Ephesians is the dead opposite. We should read Ephesians totally different than we read Galatians. Ephesians is an encouragement and an affirmation. He's like, yo, Ephesus, y'all killing it. Like, y'all really killing it. Let me tell you how to kill it even more. Galatians, he's not doing that with, he's like, listen, Galatians, like, excuse my French, but you suck. That's what he's saying. He's like, come on, we got to pick it up. So that's the context for how he's writing this letter. So as we read that and as we process through some of these verses, be thinking about that, that mindset that he is begging the Galatians, turn back. Like imagine the pain in Paul's voice with how passionate he was. But with that context, I find it so interesting that we get 11 verses in, and he tells his testimony. He didn't start with some exegetical theological breakdown of the gospel. He didn't tell you all about whether or not you should believe in, uh, you know, save forever or, or you, you could lose your sight. He didn't talk about any of that. No. He says, here's what God did for me. Here's my story. Here's how he changed me. And how important must our testimonies be if Paul, this man who in many ways is, is this maverick of the faith, who we're called to follow as he follows Christ, That's how he started his plea to others to come to know Jesus in a really real way. How much more then should we be challenging ourselves that our testimonies are super important? So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you three points, but these points are going to be in the forms of questions that I want you to ask yourself. I think sometimes I can sit in these seats. I'm here every Sunday, and this is my family, and a lot of times I'll hear the points, and what I do is I immediately think of who else they apply to. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man, Jeff, you really killed that point. My sister could hear that one you're really I know five people at work who need that, and it's just like, no, that's not what today is, and that's really not what any Sunday is. I want you to take the questions that I ask, because these are questions I've challenged myself and both my Grove people, because this message was for them originally, and ask these to yourself and how you can more applicably equip people around you via your testimony. So my first question based out of this is this. Oh, actually, sorry, let me give you a working definition of testimony, because some of y'all are probably like, wait, what? The evidential story of what God has done in your life. I wanted to give it a working definition so that we could all be together on the same page. The evidential meaning like people can look at your life and see what's happened. The evidential story, it's a story of what God has done in your life. It puts the proper place because God's up there, right? It has nothing to do with what we do, but it's what he's doing in and through us. All right, so here's the first question. Do you know your testimony? When we talk about how Paul knew his testimony and he started this plea to the Galatians, which uh, I would imagine worked because these churches ended up exploding to us today. You know, that's why I'm saying we're over in America. This church was not in America, heads up. Galatia was not, it was over in the Middle East somewhere. I don't really know where, I'm not good at geography, but it definitely wasn't in America. And we're here today worshiping God. So we can assume that his testimony usage worked. Do you know your testimony? Verses 13 and 14. Paul did. So he says this. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. I just love that, my previous way of life. He's like, that's not me no more. That's not me anymore, my previous way of life. I feel like sometimes we don't live in that. I don't live in that. You heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's. Paul knew his testimony, and he utilized it quickly. On the other side of that, what I want to open with a a thought and a challenge as you ask yourself this question is that if you don't know your testimony, it's going to hinder your effectiveness for the gospel. If Paul went into this letter and didn't know how to elaborate the salvation he'd been given, he would have been fairly ineffective. He would have been like, hey, I appeal to you to turn back because I think God's pretty good. And I heard a fire message at church on Sunday. So like, that should be good. No, he was like, here is directly how God has impacted me and changed my life and what he's done for me. And it's so effective. As I read that, I'm like, dang, only God could do something like that. He took the Judaizer, someone who was killing Christians, and said, not only are you going to stop doing that, you're going to lead the brigade. That's powerful. That makes me want to change. So not knowing your testimony is going to hinder your effectiveness. Layman terms for that is if you can't elaborate the salvation that you have and why it matters, why would others want it? And that's a challenge to me because there's times I'll go into conversations and, and I want to share this faith and I'm just not prepared in my head. And I don't elaborate it well. I don't talk about it well. But if we claim that we've been radically saved by a radical God who's all good and all knowing and all loving, And we can't elaborate why that matters to other people. Why would other people want it? Why would they want something that you can't even tell them why it's good? So knowing our testimonies is going to be hugely important. Now, I wanted to make sure that you left with tangible ways to know your testimony, because testimony is an ongoing thing, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Testimony is not just a one-time deal. Testimony is a lifestyle, testimony, and we'll get there, we'll get there, but I wanted to give you a, a literal equation, listen, I had a biology major, people, okay, so I have a science brain, it's how I think, just live, Just be with me, okay, I'm going to give you a formula that you can snap a picture of, write down, think through, whatever, as to how we can know our testimonies. These never work on the first click, so you, if you do a pose on the second one, it works better. It does. All right, here's your equation. Recognition plus but God equals revelation and repentance. Let me break this down. But write this down. Where are my, where, where my note takers at? I got any note takers there? See, I like y'all. I like y'all. Because if you're a note, she's over there. She's like, me! I saw her. You got zealous for it. I'm a note taker. So I, I try to format my messages in ways that you can easily take notes. So you're welcome. All right. Recognition of the problem. When you tell someone your story and what God's done for you, the very first part of it is to say something was wrong. Something was wrong. I was walking in ways that weren't right. I looked at the world and saw what was going on. There was I recognized the problem. And you establish what that problem was in your life. So for me, at least at the, at the instance of my testimony, again, it's an evolving thing. But it was that I was living in ways in college that I just knew God did not have for me. And I am not afraid to list off what I was doing and how I was doing it. I recognize the problem, and then we insert the but God. You tell what God did for you. You say, well, I had this problem. I had this sin disease. I had these things that I was living in, but God. And you say how he affected you. Now, let me encourage you. I had a radical experience that I couldn't ignore. It's okay if it doesn't look like that. It's okay. Every testimony I've ever heard, which I've heard a whole lot of them, because God is good and God's always working, they're all different, every single one. Not one person I've ever met has the same story as me. Not, not one person has the same but God moment as me, and that is okay. So just realize that. Your but God doesn't need to look like anybody else's but God. Your but God was for you because God gave it to you. It was a gift. So embrace the gift that you were given. So after we give the but God and we say, here's what he did, We talk about what happened then, so we had revelation. Meaning we started to see things different. So I went back to college and I could not see my situations the same. I couldn't, I wanted to. Oh, I wanted to. I still tried to party. I still tried to smoke those things that I shouldn't. I still tried to treat women like crap. I still tried to think I was the bomb.com. But I couldn't help but start to see things differently. It's like I had this new filter over my eyes. And I started to dislike things I once loved. In fact, I started to hate things that I once loved. We have revelation. We start to see things differently, and because of that, we walk differently. We begin in the process, and I say that intentionally, we begin in the process of repentance. So because I see things differently, that means I can now walk differently. So if I once was going this way, and then I have this but God moment, well, I'm like, wait a second, over there doesn't look as good as it used to. So even if it's like this, I start to go this way. You know what I'm saying? And eventually it turns into strides, and eventually you're sprinting the other way. We recognize what the problem was. We give our buck God moment. Man, what, what did he do for you? What is he doing for you? And how did it make you see things differently? And how did seeing things differently make you walk differently? That's a, how I give a blueprint of my testimony and, and how that looks and how I tell it. Testimony isn't just what Jesus did, though. It's what he's continuing to do. So often I think we get stuck in this idea when we think of knowing our testimonies. Well, and I see this in students. In fact, um, we, got, we had baptisms like two, two weeks ago, and we had 24 people get baptized, Mark. Is that right? 24 people? Come on. Yeah! And I, with, we had, I think, nine students get baptized, and one of the students, and I don't, know, I don't think she's probably here, but I won't say her name in case she is. <laughs> But she sent her testimony in. I asked to proof them all first. I'm not going to change anybody's story, but I just want to see what they say. You know, make sure it's appropriate or whatever. Um, And her second line was, I don't have a crazy story. And, And the ironic part is I think probably half this room feels that same way. Half this room probably sits here and genuinely believes that they're saved, genuinely believes that Christ has done what he's done, and amen and hallelujah for that, but then we fall into this trap that that's not important or that our story doesn't match up to someone else's. And can I just say something? If the God of the universe came down and saved your soul, that matters? That matters? Like, it's not, like, we think so often, like, oh, well, I wasn't a crack addict. You you don't want to be a crack addict. That's a good thing. Like, that's okay. You said, and like I see it all the time. Well, I was raised in the church. I never really had this moment. I've just always believed it. Are you kidding me? You got I mean, you let you miss so much heartache. You missed so many problems. God got you right off the bat. If anything, your story's better. You didn't have to walk through the mud. But sometimes we do that. We think, well, I can't tell my story because it's not, it wouldn't fit a Hollywood action movie. It doesn't need to. How many ladies in here just love those boring dramas? Like, see, people like those. Sorry. 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 We don't have cable. I don't watch TV anyways. It's fine. But it's not what he did. It's what he's continuing to do. The testimony of someone actively following Jesus is constantly evolving. Testimony is a lot less about a one-time event than we make it Sometimes. And a lot more of being constantly aware of what God is doing in your life. The, the testimony of a genuine, deep Jesus follower is going to be someone that as you talk to them, they can tell you yesterday what God did for them. They can tell you the day before that, and, they, and it might not always look all oh, made glamorous and crack addiction and whatever. I'm not trying to downplay crack addiction. That's just a big relevant example, by the way, caveat. But it's what he did yesterday. It's what he's going to do tomorrow, and are we aware of it? I think sometimes we get in the danger of, well, seven years ago, God wrecked my life. And if someone were to ask me, well, what's he done since? I'd be like, I go to church. No. Can I tell you, I could tell you just yesterday, I I sat in the Word, and words are just popping off the page and giving me fresh revelation. Can I tell you, two weekends ago, we went to Revive 2019 and saw students driven to their knees in the name of Jesus, calling out to him. We saw kids saved. We saw kids' chains break, kids who walked in with something, who left without it. That's what God's still doing. That's still part of my testimony. So what's yours? When you know your testimony, or do you know your testimony? Not only what he did, but what he's continuing to do. Let's challenge ourselves on that. So the first step is knowing it. (laughs) And a lot of us thought it ended there. Second step is telling it. Do you tell your testimony? That's my second point and my second question is... Some of us don't genuinely don't know our testimony, or, or maybe we're not good at elaborating, and that's okay. And we, we gave this blueprint for maybe what that could look like, and we talk about it a little bit. So maybe that's the first step. Some of us know what God did for us, and this is the hard part. This is the hard part. Can I tell you I'm extremely extroverted? <laughs> and this is still hard for me. Still hard for me. Do you think that the devil... Likes when we talk about Jesus to other people. So your personality type don't matter. Because the devil's working on all of us because he hates it from all of us. And he's going to work in different ways. For, for our uh, people who are introverted, he's going to say, well, just you don't like talking, so just don't do it. But you know what he does for extroverts? Makes you feel insecure. Says, well, you know, do you look the way you need to be looking to do this? Or, or do you feel the way you need to be feeling? Or are your words good enough? You have a lot of words to say, but are they good enough? It just rears its head in different ways. So my question is, do we tell it? And here's the thing, you can't tell your testimony if you don't know it. So that's why we hit number one first. And now we're here because Paul is our example in this. Paul told his. He knew it. He knew what God had done for him, and he utilized it. And I just love how quickly he utilized it. Like, he is our example of how it should be a first-line defense. That our testimony shouldn't be like, all right, well, let me try all these different things, and let me chuck a Bible at your face, and let me do all this, whatever. Whatever. No, he was like, okay, I'm going to start by telling you my story and what God has done for me. That's, that's base number one, and we'll see where we can go from there. So do you tell it? Here is just what I love about testimony and storytelling, is that, and y'all can say amen to this. Are there not a lot of things that the culture tries to dispute about God? Oh, amen. Can they dispute your story? Yeah, and if they did, they're crazy. <laughs> and you can just look at them like this. No one can tell you your story. Nobody can tell you what you've experienced. We live in a whole culture of that. Don't tell me what I feel. I feel what I feel, and I feel it how I feel it. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> First of all, that's just the biggest load of crud. Even, even inside of our faith, we need to be people who don't rely on our feelings. Yeah, right. Don't we know feelings were meant, never meant to be gauges, but just slow, just, just, just little, just well, the other way. They weren't meant to be your guide, they were meant to be your gauge. You can use your emotions to gauge certain things. They were never meant to guide you. And we live in a culture that just says, however you feel, go do it because that's you. And Paul right here does quite the opposite. Because people can't dispute your story, at least not intelligibly. They can't, you know, look smart and tell you what you experienced isn't real. But They can't. So if you go into your circles and you know your testimony and you are willing and ready to tell it, and tell it powerfully, whether or not people like it, because a lot of people won't, they can't tell you you're wrong. What are you gonna do, come up through and be super real and be like, man, like, I was doing this, the evidential story, right, I was doing this, God just wrecked me, man, or woman. Well, he wrecked me, <laughs> and I'm walking a totally different way. Like, how crazy is that? Like, how dumb would they sound to be like, "No, uh he didn't do that, you know what I'm saying? So do we tell it? Because they can't dispute your story. But storytelling is so important. So when we're talking about do you tell it, we need to know that storytelling is super important because it pulls people into the goal of the story. So like if all we ever did (laughs) is took John 3, 16, and just chucked it at people, you know what I mean? God loves you so much. (laughs) Romans 10, 9, just believe and confess. If that's all we ever did, what we're doing is we're giving people the solution without the process. And I fear we do that a lot. We give people the answer without the equation. And the problem with that is if I were to just throw up on this screen the number 48 and say, how'd I get there? Anybody? How'd I get there? You could just start doing math, or, or, or lack thereof, some of y'all. But if I put the entire equation up to show you how I got to the number 48, is not important, by the way. I just show you how I got there, how much more does it mean all of a sudden? How much more sense does it make all of a sudden? But sometimes, I think we just go, Jesus loves you! And we Bible bash, and we go on Facebook and be like, I can't believe people are acting this way. We need to not act that way. And we just throw the solution onto a public platform, with, with no process as to how we got to that solution. That's just ineffective. That doesn't work in mathematics or Christianity. Because God made both. <laughs> we can't be people who do that. But when we give the full process, when we give... The entire equation to the answer. When we tell them how we got there, what he did, the recognition plus the but God, which equals revelation and repentance, when we tell them what God's doing in our life, we give them the process and the equation of how we got to the answer. And all of a sudden it just makes a lot more sense to them. But that's not always easy to do. But knowing and telling your testimony is going to force people, at a bare minimum, to take an honest evaluation of what you're claiming. At a bare minimum. Can I tell you one of the reasons I'm so unashamed to talk about, like, college and what God did? My wife always is like, you talk about it way too much. And I'm like, or I don't talk about it enough. (laughs) She's in the second service, so I'll leave that part out. (laughs) Because when I talk about it, at a bare minimum, people have to stop and think, wait, really? Really? You were really doing that, and now you're here, and you don't do that junk anymore, and you're living totally different, and you, like, love this Jesus dude, and as much as I think it's whack, you take it seriously enough to go try to make a difference? At a bare minimum, they're going to leave with a question mark over their head, and what do we call those? Seeds. Oh, and telling your testimony is going to plant seeds. Telling your testimony will plant seeds. I love this verse in Revelations 12, verse 11. It says that they overcame the enemy... By the blood of the lamb and the word of their Let me tell you something. You are part two of a two-part plan. We miss this. We miss this because we think, okay, the first part's good. Blood of the lamb. I like the story of Jesus. Because listen, anytime you went up to anybody and said, hey, this dude died for you. And if you want, just believe in him and all your sins are gone. You get eternity in the golden palace. Who's going to say No. If that's their only option, it's like, hey, you have two options, hell or this. Let's not think about anything in the middle. What do you, what do you choose? Every sane individual is choosing heaven. I say that intentionally, every sane individual. But you are two, part two of a two-part plan. This is it. This is it. It says the blood of the lamb. I love the The Bible is so intentional. It never gets things out of order. The blood of the lamb. What Jesus did is... is, is Just hugely important over everything else. Infinitely important over everything else. And then it says there's one more part to this plan. The word of their testimony. Let me challenge you that if we don't do part two, there is no part three. It doesn't say, like, look, we have to just read the book and take it for the word that it says. It doesn't say, like, the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and then if you don't do your part, maybe someone else will come in. Part three. It doesn't say that. By the word of their testimony, telling our testimonies makes you. Oh, and think about how the purpose that this. I, I'm a. I'm a big believer in purpose, and empowerment. Think about the purpose that puts on you. The value that that gives you, not the person next to you, not the people who believe this better than you do, or less. The value that that gives you, in your seat right now, that you are part two of God's plan. He didn't write this crazy, blu- well, it's a pretty cl- crazy blueprint, actually. <laughs> but he wrote the whole blueprint, and he's like, here's the two parts that you need to know. I did it, now you do it. <laughs> oh, and that gives us such, v- like, I look at every seat in here, and I'm like, that's you, and 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 you. You play that role, but we, I feel like sometimes, don't take it that seriously. We feel as if I can just do X, Y, Z, live this way, that way, the other way, and it won't matter, but... Man, this book says the opposite. It says it really, 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 really matters. It says that you're part two of a two-part plan, so if you would just tune in, believe what I did for you, and then tell people about what I did for you, you are going to change the world. And I believe that about us. You can clap. Man, I got eight people excited. But in Awaken, if they don't clap, I get down and I smack some kids. I'm like, clap! If you're a parent, I don't really do that. <laughs> if you're not a parent, I do do that. <laughs> just kidding. I wanna give you guys an example, um, but just to encourage you in this, you have a story that somebody needs to hear. Like Jeff can get up here every single week, or Ben, or Mark, or, or well, Alex is moving on to plant his own church now, and he's gonna be telling people there, but if you genuinely think that like we're the people who need to do the work, you're so wrong. <laughs> Because every one of you will leave here and encounter somebody I will never meet. In fact, you are going to encounter multiple people that I will never meet. And if you never tell them, I'm not telling them, I'm never going to talk to them. Jeff won't, well, Jeff's awesome, but like, you know, he's limited too. You have that role to play. Like there's people in your circles who need to hear the story that you have. Can I tell you the things that you came out of, the, the but God in your life, is so specific and unique because God put it into your life that there are going to be other people who need to hear that exact specific story. They don't need to hear about how I went to college and wild out. Tons of people did that. They might need to hear your relationship hurt. They, not, they might need to hear about those addictions that you broke. They might need to hear about those insecurities and that self-image hating and those things that you got rid of. They might need to hear that. They might need to hear about the specific lies and deceit that were in your life because that's what they're walking through. And I can never impact them. I didn't walk in their shoes, but you did. The biggest lie we can believe is that no one's walked through what we've walked through. That's the biggest load of horse turds ever. Millions of people have walked through all of the same stuff, but you've got to find those people who Jesus has freed. And if you're one of those people, please do not steal your story from other people who need it. You need to be people who tell your testimony. There's, there's an example That I've really lived by when it comes to witnessing and telling my testimony that has changed my life ever since I heard. I'm gonna hit y'all with it right now. Visualize. We could if we could have brought an escalator onto stage next time, Jeff. Can we get an escalator in here? Imagine life is is an escalator. So you you know you're chilling, or some of y'all are the annoying people that walk up them. Come on, stop it. It moves for you. (laughs) Just kidding. I do that. (laughs) I'm like, get out of my way. Gotta get the coals. You got 50% off today. That's my wife. I'm like, oh come on, baby, we're late. I'm like, two-year-olds behind me. I'm like, ah, mommy these coals. Okay. Imagine that life is an escalator. And you know Jesus. You met him in some way, whether it was as radical as you think or not, it's radical nonetheless because the God of the universe encountered you. And you're on your way up this escalator, because that's where we're headed, people. And Imagine that this escalator is the span of your life. And as you pass different people, there's a few sets of escalators, some, some up, some down. As you pass different people, um, so, some are headed down, some are headed up, and the way that you pass them is kind of shows the time increments that you spent with them, so maybe you only encountered this person on this escalator for a day, maybe an hour, maybe you just passed them on the street. So it was quick, but they weren't headed the same direction as you. Maybe you worked with this person for two decades. So you lingered a little bit, but they weren't headed the same direction that you were. And and think about all these different instances that could happen throughout this life, and you're up, we're up and down, and yada, yada, yada. Imagine if some of those people who you passed or encountered in this visual got to the bottom, got to where they were going, got to what their end destiny was, and they got a chance to call you. What do you think they'd say? What do you think they'd say? Can you imagine? Like, you get down there and you find out where you're headed, no matter how passionately you believed or disbelieved or whatever. You get to where you were going, and then you get a chance to just call somebody who knew the truth that you encountered. I can imagine the pain in their voice. Like, you, did, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. Like, you claimed you knew this, You went to church every Sunday and had your hands in the air, and you were so Jesus everything. But you couldn't just tell me? I'm here now. Like There's no going back. I don't get a second chance. Your book told you that. Your book told you I don't get a second chance. And I'm here. Why? Why couldn't you tell Well, I mean, it was hard. It was just really hard. It was in the workplace. We're not supposed to talk about that stuff. You just weren't that open to it. Anytime I would try, you would get hostile. I'm in hell now. You couldn't deal with my hostility? I was an idiot. You you weren't allowed to talk about it in the workplace? My soul was less important than your job? Oh, you couldn't serve on Sundays because football? There were people that needed to be impacted, but you just had plans? You couldn't tell me because of that? Did that game change your life? about what they would ask and I just I hear the pain even in my head in their voice I hear what they would think and what they would say and and I know that looking back I'd be like why I know where I'm at now and all pain is gone and all tears are gone but I can't help but think that before I enter there'd be parts of me that were like wow when I'm accounting before God which we're told all of us will do there's gonna be parts of me that were like there's so many people out of selfishness I chose not to tell I'm going to let that sit for a second, because I know every time I think about that, I feel a weight. But can I tell you that Jesus tells us he gives us a weight, but what does he say about it? He said that the burden is easy and the yoke is light. So there will be a weight, but we're told we don't do it alone. So do we know our testimonies? And do we tell them knowing that your story could lead someone else to Jesus? My third point comes out of uh, verse 21 through 24. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally, listen, these words are so intentional. Listen to this. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They did not know him. That's really important to what we're about to read. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us Is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. My last question is this Will people praise God because of you? I I love that God assigns us such, such intent purpose. Like if you walk a purposeless life, or if you go day by day and you feel as if you don't have a purpose, let me just challenge you it's here. You just have to tap into it because this book is full of assignment. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. That right there is three different forms of purpose. But it gives us such intense purpose, and we need to tap into it, and what the result of that can be. And and I'm not making this up, so if if this is the type of thing that makes you itch, because you're like, God did it. Paul said it, verse 24, and they praised God because... Of me. What's so crazy about this is that Paul hadn't even met these people. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we played a video. I wanted to play it again. I was so mad Jeff used it. It's called Strangers. Do you guys remember that video where it talked about how like one person met one person, and then they met another person and went the whole way around? And then at the end, the, the person who had initiated the faith string actually was in the same coffee shop as the person like 10 people down. And they were like sitting right next to each other and even held the door for each other. But they'll never know. They'll never know that those people had been there for them, that those people had played a part in their role of faith. Paul hadn't met these people. He didn't know these churches that he's referencing right here, but solely due to the power of his testimony, people praised God. Purpose, your purpose in life. Like so often we get caught up in calling and purpose and and those are all good things, but your purpose in life is to know God and make God known. That's it, you bring that everywhere. So if you believe you're called to a certain job or you believe whatever, 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 you bring that with you. Let me challenge you, if you go into something you think you're calling and you don't bring, knowing God and making God known, that's probably not your purpose. It's probably not your calling because you have an overarching calling. But this is the result of Holy Spirit empowerment to live a life so powerful, to tell your testimony in such powerful ways and that different people from different areas that you may not even ever meet will praise God because of you. And I love that Paul doesn't just leave that for him. He doesn't just leave that for elders or bishops or pastors or servant leaders or ministry leaders. He says, it's for you. But part of that effectiveness is to walk your talk. If you want people to praise God because of you, if you take this, if this is challenging you today, that you have a story to tell and maybe you haven't been doing it and you have a purpose and a role to play that God might have on your life. And when I say might, I mean does, and maybe you're feeling challenged, there's two parts that you kind of need to take into account as you walk out today. The first is this, that if you claim Christ and you tell your testimony, your evidential story of what God's done and your life doesn't match it up, they're gonna disregard it. People will, like they say this about kids, that like kids will always catch your crap. Like they could be two and like, but they know, you think they don't know, but they do. People aren't any different. We're just grown up babies. Like one thing, can I just be real? And again, I'm talking to myself, is that when we talk one thing and walk another thing, what you're talking doesn't matter. You could say it all day long and people are just looking at you like, your feet aren't moving the same direction as your words. Your mouth's going, your feet aren't. We have to be people who walk or talk, that's the first part. But the second part is that when they hear your testimony and your life backs up what you're claiming, movement will happen. Not maybe, I've never told my testimony to somebody when I went through my college days and watched people follow what Jesus was doing or I stepped into grace and became a part of student ministries and the Grove and all the different things we got going on here. Like when you genuinely tell people what you have going on in your life and how he's working and people see you're actually walking it out, they follow because that's attractive. What God offers is attractive. What God has for us is powerful. And people turn to purposeless and empty things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And And eventually they're gonna want something different. And when you're there and you're still walking out what you've been saying for years, eventually they're gonna say, all right, I'm ready. Your walk matters. Can we never be people who says that it doesn't? And then the other part of this is that we can't minimize the role that we play. So often I think we minimize the role that we play Because we do these Jesus juke things where we're like, well, God's got it covered. God's sovereign, so if he wanted it done, it would happen. He told you your part two, two part plan. He told you that. So sometimes I think that we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by being like, ah, but like, God is good and he's gonna handle it. Yeah, but you were his choice of how to handle it. You were his choice of how to handle it. Like there's a song that I love that I forget who the artist is, but he's crying out to God and said, God, why didn't you do something? And God said, I did, I created you. We can't minimize the role we play. We're we're called the ambassadors of Christ while we're here. We're called the temple of the Holy Spirit while we're here. We have such an important role to play. I genuinely believe that if we don't step up to this calling in our life, there will be people in your circles who may never know it. And, And here's another encouragement. It doesn't necessarily mean you're the one who leads them to salvation. It doesn't mean when you preach to them or tell them your testimony or invest in them that they're gonna to come to know Jesus right then and there, but can I tell you, they might need 100 people to speak into them, and if you don't play role 52, they don't get to role 53. If you don't just give them that little course correction at part 29, they don't ever get to part 99. We have to play our role, and we can't minimize the role that we play. Paul, in this passage, was so devoutly unashamed to say that people praised God because of him. That's not a prideful thing. We're told that we can boast about one thing in this life, in the cross of Christ and what he's done for us. So why can we not then take pride in what God's doing through me? I'm never gonna be the type that's afraid to get up here and say, I am impacted and empowered this group of people to follow Jesus. That's not about me, I wouldn't have been doing it if it wasn't for Jesus to begin with. But we can boast in what Jesus is doing through us in the same way that Paul says, people praised God because of me. He knew it wasn't about him. That's not what he was saying and neither are we. We know what God did and we have the opportunity to tell that to others and people could praise God because of your story and they need your story. And that is incredible purpose on your life. So three questions, do you know your testimony? If you don't challenge yourself today, that's gonna hinder any level of effectiveness that you have. But when you do know it, you get to tell it. So do you tell your testimony? If you don't think of those consequences, because there are. Think about those people who need to hear that in in, in your life right now, whether you only see them for the next day or whether you see them for the next decade. Think of those people and challenge you on what's holding you back from doing that and start to be people who get rid of what's holding you back. And then the last part is will people praise God because of you? Make it your life mission that people will praise God because of your influence impactful, empowered, effective people embrace the influence that they have and embrace the opportunities that God has given them in this life. So church, grace, in a body this big, can we do the same? Can we go out and realize that if each one of us told our story to one person, we double in numbers in a day? And if they tell somebody, and if they tell somebody, next thing you know, Shrewsbury is overrun by annoying Christians. We clap because we know we're annoying, it's okay. But I'm excited because I really believe that not only has this been happening here for 13 years, but I, I believe this is gonna continue to happen in really powerful and big ways. I don't think this room will be able to hold us one day. And that's a beautiful thing, and we'll get there when we get there, but we're gonna trust God for it, and we're gonna continue to play the role that we play until we get there. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna worship. Jesus, I just thank you for the story you've planted on my life. I pray that you continue to help me be unashamed to boast in you and who you are and what you've done in and through me. And I pray that these people, my family, my brothers and sisters out here become the exact same. Would you plant a boldness in our spirits that even as we sit in our seats, Holy Spirit convicts us in a new way that we will not be able to leave this building without telling somebody what God did for us. Like Jeremiah said, there's a fire in our bones. And we cannot not tell people about it or it would burn us up. So I just thank you for that. I thank you for the passionate people in this room who continue to just push and grind for what you have them to do, God. Would you just plant that in all of our lives and lay on us the purpose that you have for us, that we are loved sons and daughters and you have things for us to do before we leave this earth suit. We just thank you for that, God, and we know that only you are working and we pray all these things And our God's people said.